Our scripture reading this morning comes from the sixth chapter of Luke. We'll start with verse 27 and go through verse 36. Now, last week um, we started a series. We're reading together uh, the Sermon on the Plain, which is this short um, a sermon where Jesus tells his disciples everything he expects of them, how he wants them to live. And we talked about how um, these red letters are challenging to us and how often we want to um, sort of uh, spiritualize them and, and, and allegorize them uh, into oblivion and, and try and uh, go to the Greek and everything else to try and, try and make them not mean what they clearly say. And so we're going to um, resist that uh, temptation and just read um, the words of Jesus for what they are and see if they can't transform our lives. So continuing the sermon um, uh, with verse 27. Hear now the word of our Lord. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to anyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be, to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This is the Word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of His Holy Spirit. Amen. As the story goes... uh, young woman dies and she finds herself in line um, to get into heaven and meet St. Peter at the pearly gates. And I know these uh, St. Peter stories are always really bad theology, but just, uh, just bear with me here. So the woman is in line uh, waiting to meet St. Peter and she, uh, she gets to the front of the line and St. Peter's there and upping his podium. He's got the book of life spread out. And, uh, and, and he looks this woman up and says, well, it says here that, uh, that you were a humble school teacher, uh, that you didn't have much, but, but you always gave freely out of what you had. You did so much for, your, for the children in your community, and, uh, and we would love to, to let you into the gates of paradise. Before I let you in, I just want you to do one thing for me. I want you to spell a word. And uh, the woman says, what word? So St. Peter says, spell the word love. Of 
course, this woman's got so much love on her heart, she doesn't even have to think about it. It rolls off her tongue. L-O-V-E. And as soon as she says the E, the gates of paradise open and the woman is let through. Well, she, uh, she just really takes to heaven. She joins the choir. She goes to all the meetings. She's, uh, she's, uh, she's just really um, uh, living, soaking it up there. And in fact, um, she gets so indispensable that on days that uh, St. Peter needs to take the day off, um, she gets to step up into that, to that podium with the Book of Life, and, and, and she gets to, uh, to look people up and, and ask them to spell love. And so um, one of these particular days, Peter is off uh, fishing, and, and, uh, and the woman is up in the podium with the Book of Life, and she's got people coming through. Well, lo and behold, through the clouds steps this beautiful young blonde woman, and she recognizes her instantly. This is Penny, my husband's secretary. And Penny comes up, uh, up to the podium and, uh, and she says, Penny, Penny, what are you doing here? And she says, well, um, uh, you wouldn't believe this, but a week after your funeral, your husband and I started dating and we, uh, we really headed off, and a couple months after that, we were married. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe, just, as soon as we got back from our honeymoon, um, your husband won the lottery. And uh, we were able to uh, sell that old house that you all lived in. We bought this uh, great big house up on the hill. And, and we've just been, for the last several years, we've been traveling all the time, going to all these, these foreign countries, and well, I was in the Swiss Alps, and I was skiing, and I hit a tree. And so that's why I'm here. And so uh, the woman searches the book of life, and she says, Well, it looks here like you've had a good life. Uh, before I can let you in, I need you to spell one word for me. And so Penny says, uh, Sure, what word? And so the woman says, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Easier said than done, isn't it? Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. It all sounds so nice in theory. But the practice, that's, that's where it gets hard. You know, um, I think for us, we'd be okay with these words as long as we could carve out maybe one or two exceptions. Maybe, maybe just single out one or two people that, that fall outside the jurisdiction of our kindness. And so Jesus comes to us and says, love your enemies. And our response is, even them? Even them? We want to feel the things that Jesus is asking us to feel, but there are just some people that make it so hard, even them. Maybe it's a group of people. You know those people that voted for the other candidate and they get on Facebook and they just say the stupidest things. 
and, and, and you just want to, you, you just want to, you, you want to throttle them, even them. They mock everything we stand for, God, even them. Or, or uh, uh, Jesus, you know, you know I don't have a racist bone in my body. You know I'm not prejudiced. But those people over there, they mock everything we stand for. Surely when you say love my enemies, you, you don't mean them. Well, how about, how about those, those godless unbelievers that, that, that just, they, 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 they make fun of us and they mock us and, 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 and they just, uh, just rub our nose and, and, and everything we do wrong? Even them? Even them? And Jesus come back at us. Yes. That's exactly what enemy means, even them. For you, maybe it's not like, like a group of people. Maybe as soon as I said the word enemy, maybe someone's face bubbled up. Maybe you thought of, of one or two people. You have love for all of God's children except for, except for this, this, this one or two people. And your heart is saying, even right now, even them. Jesus, you don't understand. The, the, the way that they, they have treated me has, 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 has built up so much scar tissue on my heart. has made me the person I am today. I can't think about this person with, without my blood pressure raising, without my heartbeat quickening without without my blood running cold even them you don't understand jesus this person's voice this person's voice is 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 what is the voice i hear in my deepest moments of doubt and insecurity even them and jesus says Yes, yes, that is exactly what enemy means, even them. And so we say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I wish I could feel the way you want me to feel. I wish I could be the person you want me to be. And I'd do it for anyone else except them. So we walk away sadly. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. All sounds so good in theory, doesn't it? It's the practice that gets us. We just can't seem to generate these feelings of, of, of love and goodwill for, the, for those even thems in our lives. We just, no matter how hard we try and feel the way Jesus wants us to feel, we, we just, we clench our fists and grit our teeth and we just can't pop out that emotion. It just won't come out. We make it sound so easy in church, don't we? Like, just, just love your enemy. Just be joyful. Just, just be glad. Just like, like, I, I think, 
religious people sometimes subscribe to um, the uh, Mr. Uh, Potato Head theory of emotion. And it's something like this. You know how Mr. Potato Head uh, has, has all the pieces he needs of backing his trap door? You know, and if he's looking at someone with angry eyes and he needs to look at them with happy eyes, all he's got to do is pluck those out, put them in, and, and get the eyes that he needs. Or if, if he's got that, 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 that upside-down frown, all he's got to do is twirl it around. Right? I think sometimes as religious folk, we have this, uh, this Mr. Bertago head mentality that people can just turn on a dime. That, gosh, if you, if you just love the Lord enough, you could reach in, in, in there and you could, you could pull out the joy and you could put it on your face. You could pull out the love and you could, you could stick it in that hole in your chest. And as a result, when we can't make ourselves feel the way we're supposed to feel, when we know that Jesus wants us to love our enemy, but we reach inside and, and the peace is missing, and all we have are angry eyes back there, we don't know what to do. And we wind up feeling guilty on top of everything else. We feel guilty for not feeling the feelings that we're supposed to feel. Because all we have are angry eyes for this even them. We just don't have that heart of love and our tool of emotions for this person. And, and we somehow feel that if we're able to twirl that smile around, well, they'd just smack it back into a frown as soon as we did. So we feel guilt. I just can't do it, Jesus. I just can't feel the way you're telling me to feel. I just don't have it in me. I want you to do something for me. Look at this, uh, look at this passage we just read. And if you want, you can take out a pencil. You don't have to. But I want you to, to just make note of every time in this passage that Jesus uses the word feel, feeling, or emotion. It's not there. It is not there. We've got some strong verbs here. We've got do good, bless, pray, turn, give, lend. Nothing about feel. Nothing about emotion. And you say, well, isn't love an emotion? Isn't love a feeling? It can be, but that's not necessarily what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus isn't talking about a mental state. He's talking about something you do. We've talked about this before. In, in Greek, there are four words for love. Three of them are based on emotion. There's, feel, uh, there's philo, which is the love that, that friends have. that's based on this emotional bond. There's eros, uh, this when a man loves a woman, can't keep his mind on nothing else, right? That, that's that, that emotional bond between, between uh, men and women in love. The storge is the emotional bond, emotional bond you have for, 
for your front porch or a cup of coffee or, or, or your childhood dog, just the love of things familiar. But the word Jesus uses is agape. And this agape kind of love is sometimes we say unconditional love. Another way of phrasing it is love without any reason. Love that is not based on emotion, but is based on a decision to love. Love that is not based on some kind of bond between the person uh, who is doing the loving and the person who is loved, but, but, but that is based on the character of the person doing the loving. This is the kind of love God has. He loves us not because we deserve it, but because God is love and this is what God does. This is the word Jesus is using here, agape. Make a decision to love your enemy. See, Jesus isn't talking about a feeling. He's not talking about, uh, about feeling ooey-gooey emotion toward people that, that you feel anything but. He's talking about making a decision to not let your emotions run the show. He's talking about making a commitment to not let your feelings about someone get in the way of who he is calling you to be. Right? It's a completely different thing. This is, this is concrete love, love in action. Jesus doesn't tell us what to feel in the passage. He tells us what to do. It's not feel for others as you would have them feel about you. It's do unto others as you would have them do to you. Whether you feel like it or not. Whether you feel ooey-gooey about it or not. It's about what you do. So he says, if someone's mistreating you, lift them up in prayer. Pray for them. That is a concrete thing you can do. If they're mistreating you, there must be something broken inside of them. There must be some reason they're bullying people. Lift them up in prayer. He says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn them the left also. Now, this is one of those misunderstood verses. So I just want to like, take a sidebar. Here's not what he's saying, okay? Um, uh, in, 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 in the ancient world, um, if, uh, if you were challenging someone to a fight, you would insult them by, by smacking them on the cheek, and then things would come to blows. What we might say today is if someone shoves you in the chest, stop, walk away, right? Now, this isn't, you know... If someone breaks into your house with a gun, don't defend your family. This also isn't, you know, if, if, if your husband is beating you, just lay there and take it. It's not either of those things. What Jesus is talking about is, is, is when two people are getting ready to come to blows, you as the Christian have the responsibility to be the one that walks away. That's love in action. You step back. You walk away. That's hard enough, right? Jesus says, when someone seeks to borrow from you, you don't let your feelings 
of anger or hurt or resentment get in the way of treating them like you would treat anyone else who is seeking to borrow from you. You treat them just like you would treat a member of your family that was seeking to borrow from you. <laughs> I have borrowed so much money from my dad. If, 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 he ever, uh, if the bill ever came due all at once, I, I, I would have to declare bankruptcy, right? But every time uh, my dad lends to me, he lends expecting nothing in return. He waves bye-bye to that money. And Jesus says, we do the same. We lend to people just the way we lend to our family. We don't, we, we don't, hand, uh, we don't hand any money to people we're not willing to say bye-bye to and not expect back. These are concrete things. This is not how you feel, right? This is what you do in the world. This is who you are in the world. This is that agape commitment not to let your feelings run the show, but let who God is calling you to be run the show. Let who God is calling you to be. And so you do good not because of how you feel, not because the person in front of you deserves it, but because it's who you're called to be. And Jesus says it, we are called to be merciful just as our heavenly Father is merciful. Just as our heavenly Father is is merciful. The reason we love even them is because he loved even us. I want to share with you just this passage I really love. Um, it's from Mark, uh, the first chapter, verse, um, verse 40. It's a real quick healing story. And I'll tell you why I love this passage in just a second. It says, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was moved with compassion. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Now the reason I love this passage is depending on what version you have, this verse says totally different things. I just read Jesus was moved with compassion. Some translations say Jesus was moved with pity. The NIV says Jesus was indignant. Some verses say Jesus was annoyed. And the reason the, reason the translations are all over the place is it depends on what, which Greek manuscript go back to. You go back to, they say different things. Uh, one of the Greek translations says Jesus was angry. No one ever seems to want to <laughs> put that there, translate that, that Jesus was angry at the leper. And one of the translations just leaves out Jesus' emotional state altogether. Now, what I love about this passage is here's the thing. We don't know. We don't know if, if, if Jesus was so moved by this leper's plight that in his heart he, he felt so much pity and sorrow for him that, that, he, uh, that he healed him. 
We don't know that Jesus wasn't in the middle of a conversation uh, with his disciples. And this guy just barges in and interrupts, uh, demanding to be healed. And Jesus is annoyed with him. We don't know if Jesus is, is angry at the system of injustice that, that, that would, that would uh, cast this uh, diseased man to the margins of society. We don't know any of that. We don't know Jesus' emotional state. All we know is what he did. All we know is that there was a leper before him in need of mercy, and he had the power to be merciful, and so he did it, regardless of how he woke up feeling that day. See, the gospel is not about how God felt about us at any given moment. It's about what God did for us through Jesus Christ. I don't know. I can't imagine how Jesus felt as he was being whipped, mocked, spat upon. I had to guess there was some anger in there, some grigging of the teeth in there. But I don't know. All I know is that he stood there and he turned the other cheek. I don't know how, how Jesus felt when they, when they drove those nails through his hands and they, they raised him up on the cross. And, 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 and he looked down and he saw all the people that, that had put him there. I don't know how he felt. But I know he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I know he prayed for his enemies. He blessed those that cursed him. I don't know what he felt as he, as he breathed his last breath and he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. I don't know the depths of sorrow, the depths of anguish he was going through. But I know he gave that last breath freely for us expecting nothing in return. See, love is not about feeling. It's about doing. It's in the doing that we see the height, the depth, the width, and the length of the love of God. It's in the doing. Romans, the fifth chapter, says, while we were enemies, while we were God's enemies... He reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. See, you and I, we were on the enemy's list. We were those that hated him. We were those that mistreated him. We were those that mocked him. And he loved us so much, he sent his only son to die for us. Love your enemy. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Because you feel like it? No. Because they deserve it? Surely not. But because he died for us, even us, we can live them 
even them. As the hymn says, freely, freely you have received. Now freely, freely give. And here's the thing. Here's the secret. Sometimes in the acts of love, sometimes in the praying for the other person, sometimes in the, in the, the, the doing kind things, whether you feel like it or not, sometimes the feeling sneaks in behind. Sometimes those, that, that posture of love changes us. It softens our heart for that person and the feelings come in behind. Um, as, the, uh, as the writer Richard Beck says, we, we um, expand the circle of our affections. And, and, and as we expand that circle, it includes more and more people until eventually maybe it even includes even them. Sometimes. Other times it doesn't. Other times... There's just too much water under the bridge. There's just too much scar tissue built up. You just, you just can't look at that person and not feel hurt. And you just have to trust that on the other side of the river, on the other side of life, that that, that breach is going to be healed. And you're just, you, you, you're just going to have to, to trust that eventually that circle will get there, even if it's not there now. And in those times, I say... Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Even then, even to them. It's uh, something I want to share with you. It's a um, little poem that's... Uh, written on the wall of the Sisters of Mercy Orphanage in Calcutta, India, where um, Mother Teresa served. It's a, it's a beautiful poem. It's called Anyway. We'll end with this. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget about tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you've got anyway. Because you see... And the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Love your enemy. Do good to those who hate you. 
Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Not because you feel like it. Not because they deserve it. But because of what he did for us. Even us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.